Welcome back to another episode of Beckett's Babies. I'm Sarah Cho. And I'm Sam Collier. And today we are talking about endings. So um, a couple weeks ago we recorded an episode about beginnings of plays. And today we're looking at the other side, which is the endings. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're specifically going to talk about what makes an ending memorable and and how do you know when an ending should be when you're writing a play and when you're watching a play what kinds of endings um linger with you or strike you in a interesting Mm -hmm. way so Yeah, yeah for sure I love endings that gives me a sense of closure <laughs> like yeah I know some people like this like ambiguous open ended endings like you know and I'm like uh I get I get like really antsy for yeah. me and you're like oh well I don't know like what's gonna happen um is there a sequel, <laughs> there a sequel to <laughs> right it? but I think there can be I think if it's done correctly or if it's mm-hmm. done effectively there can be some ambiguity and still you can have that feeling that everything has clicked into place like maybe in other words you know who the murderer is but you don't necessarily know what's going to happen to them or something like that it's like Mm -hmm. you know you don't have to know the answer to everything as long as the story has been resolved in some way what do you think makes the ending of a play memorable I think when the play ends, first of all, if there was a question kind of presented at the beginning of the play, like mm-hmm. what you said, like a mystery, and it sort of like solves that mystery at the end, something very, it's like satisfying. Like, like I saw the building blocks building up to this moment, and then mm-hmm. it's like, oh, and then the playwright takes a whole new surprise for me, and, um, and the ending just makes me feel good, <laughs> you know. <It's> like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, like, it makes me feel smart. Like I feel like endings when I feel smart. I'm like, yes, yeah. I knew that was gonna happen. Yep, I knew it. Thank you. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. I feel really great. Um, but I mean, I don't know. I think when I think about plays that work like that, I think their ending mm-hmm. is very satisfying in the moment, but mm-hmm. not necessarily memorable. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not sure I could point to any plays where I'm like, oh, I really really remember that or you know that ending really stuck with me because everything clicked into place I I think the ones that I remember are the ones that have some kind of surprise or um yeah something unexpected to them now that you say that I think then the ones that are really memorable to me has this had a really um big emotional weight to it yeah, it really affected me emotionally and like, like tugged at me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about writing the ending of a play? I think it's always a struggle. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I think it's always, it's the, you know, when I'm writing a first draft, at some point in the in the writing, maybe about two thirds of the way through or halfway through, I do feel this momentum. Like I know where I'm going and I, and I am writing and I, you know, towards this point. Mm -hmm. Um, But 
sometimes I arrive at that point and the play is not quite over and I, you know, and I still have to like finish the play. I don't know if that's making sense, but sometimes there's like three more pages after where I knew I was going that still need to be written to kind of um, bring it to a close. And that's, I think it's like the question of what image to end on or what line to end on. Right. Um, is always more difficult than just like, you know, how does the story come together? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so some of my plays I've gone through many, many endings, but then other plays, the ending is like the only thing that hasn't changed. So mm. it really varies. You mean, you mean like you had the ending? It's like the first draft, like I write everything through to the end and mm. then I go back and rework everything except the except I'm sure about the last moment sometimes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, for me... When I, I guess there, yeah, so there are two processes of one, you know, the ending. Mm -hmm. And then, so when I, if I know the ending and then like, for me, it's, it's becomes like a race. Like I got to get to that finish line. I'm impatient. I have to get yeah. to it. And so yeah. I'm just like running for it to the ending. And then it becomes a lot shorter than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then when I don't know the ending, at all and I know the beginning when I'm writing I'm constant like the ending on the back of my mind like every scene I write I'm like okay if this is the scene uh man woman get married or about to have kids oh what's the ending of this you know of the ending of this play you know I'm kind of mm -hmm. like constantly like it it's almost simultaneous and then and then when I get to that last moment I'm like was this the ending that I wanted? <laughs> or you know, I don't know what I wanted. It's sort of, it, I don't know. It's like I'm working simultaneously. Yeah. yeah. I wonder like, why that is. Why do you think that is that sometimes you you know what mm -hmm. the ending is going to be and other times you don't know? Yeah. Well, I think when I, I know when I'm really excited about the idea. And sometimes mm -hmm. idea, like the ending of that idea of the story comes to me first. Yeah. Like, Man, wouldn't it be so great if this play ended where everyone is in a dumpster eating off the flesh of their child? <laughs> I don't know. Something like crazy and like, whoa, what is that story? And then oh you like start, I don't know. I'm, I know, sorry, that was a really morbid idea. <laughs> that I know that's that's not even an idea I ever had. That never come, came across my mind. Um but so like then I get really excited about the world and I want to investigate it a bit more and get to that ending. But yeah, if I'm kind of lukewarm about the idea and I'm just like, I just want to see where this is going and I don't even know if this is an idea that I'll pursue, but I just want to see what the pages will be. Then it's like, I don't know. To me, I don't know what the ending is. I remember when we learned about um... – dramatic structure in grad school talking a lot about how I mean I guess this is like playwriting 101 but talking a lot about how at the beginning of a play you have stasis right and then some kind of inciting incident happens to turn everything upside down mm -hmm. um so for example the prince finds out that 
his uncle killed his father and became king um, through nefarious means. And, you know, and the ghost shows up to say, I was murdered. Or, you know, that there there's some kind of um, disruption to the normal order of things. And then the ending is a new stasis. So the play takes you from the disruption of one stasis to the creation of a new stasis. And so Mm -hmm. that, you know, that there's some kind of closure at the end of a play. Is that something you think about when you're writing? Like, do you think about Mm -hmm. consciously, how do I return my world and my characters to a new normal? Or do you think that happens more subconsciously? Oh, interesting. I don't know. But hmm. when you say that, the characters sort of return to a new stasis, it really does make me think like a sequel. Is there a sequel? Like is this, <laughs> this stasis going to be the right. beginning of another uh, right. stasis, you know? And so it's very – it just feels cyclical. Should the ending yeah. of the play return – to some kind of be a beginning of a something new or so maybe that's maybe that's where I feel like when I say open-ended that mm-hmm. feeling of this could continue a new direction a new way or mm-hmm. and, and let the the audience sort of have that imagination and wander you know like what you know what's this new new world gonna be for these characters right yeah. What would the next story be starting from this new mm-hmm. stasis? Yeah. Have you ever thought about writing a sequel to any of your plays? <laughs> um no. <laughs> <laughs> me neither. I don't know because for me one play is like I don't know. I it just feels so contained. Like I just like it's yeah. this one world, one specific uh, story <laughs> and then I think about man yeah and then you you have all this that Marvel universe where it's just like <laughs> like <laughs> Avengers Endgame just ended like it was, it was this like a 10 year epic thing where the Avengers that team we saw for 10 years yeah finally kind of come to a closure but then the way the end did was like of course you know they gotta make money <laughs> so yeah like, we're going to do another 10 years of another Avengers, you know, marathon of heroes. And I'm like, you know what? I think this end game was the real end for me. I'm never going to watch <laughs> a, a Marvel movie ever again. Like it was 10 years of my life, dude. I have a confession to make. Yes. I am pretty sure this is true. I don't think I've seen any of the Avengers movies. Ugh, good for you. Good really? for you. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I was thinking like maybe I should go watch all of them and then watch Endgame. No, no. It's it's not worth it. <laughs> okay. I mean, I, like Uh-oh. I'm 30 now. It's I like hope over. the Avengers fans don't get mad at us. No, don't be mad at us. But it's – okay, it's okay, – What does it people say now? Don't at me. Don't at me. <laughs> <laughs> don't at me. Um, No, it's just like I – Oh, it's just a huge investment of my time where I was con- this like following mm-hmm. and I was like, I am, I was like, there's so much to follow and I don't, I just like, I want some peace of mm-hmm. my mind 
again. <laughs> so. Well, that's interesting. So, I mean, it sounds like the ending was unsatisfying to you because it didn't feel like it was really over. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, is it ever really over with the Marvel <laughs> universe? Well, right. I mean, maybe that's maybe that's something that is so important about endings is that you have to in order to make a really satisfying ending, you have to let the audience know that you're mm-hmm. okay with it being over. Mm. And there's so many movies now where you can tell that they're gunning for a sequel mm-hmm. and and it makes the whole movie itself ultimately unsatisfying, I think, because you know, first of all, that sequel might never get made. And mm-hmm. second of all, you know that they weren't fully invested in that one film as a complete right. story you know what that is you know what's what's this this is called what's this called a perpetual hell like <laughs> it's horrible Ugh. yeah yeah it's depressing yeah um but and then but then there are people who love it they just like oh there's is there gonna be a sequel there's not gonna be a sequel i don't care i love it do they it. love it or they do they just have stockholm syndrome <laughs> Maybe both. I don't know. Maybe they love it. And they have Stockholm Syndrome. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. But I think endings are really important. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. actual endings are really important. Yeah. Can you think of any um, favorite endings that where you feel like it does that? Like, it, it does completely mm-hmm. conclude mm-hmm. the story? Um, yes. <laughs> well, um, my all-time favorite ending is Sam Shepard's Buried Child. Mm-hmm. And now- You love that play. I, it, don't when at me. When I first me. met you, you were like obsessed with Sam Shepard. Is that I, I was, true? I really was. It's, I mean, uh, don't at me, folks. Don't at me. But like, <laughs> he's, okay, as- a father he's not that good oh yeah man. we talked about this but yeah. I don't, don't at me but I, I mean that's just my opinion but yeah he's an um he's a brilliant writer for sure and Barry Childs I've read the play I've seen the play when I in, in my formative playwriting years like early on mm-hmm. and it's though his work is the one that's always stuck with me. Like so many of my early writings, like it was always inspired by Sam Shepard. Like I have always just like went to him for inspiration. And I thought about very child and we're going to spoil the ending. Yeah. We're going to spoil it. Yeah. Oh yeah. We should like at the top of the show, we'd be like, Oh, this is, this is spoilers. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But so I'm going to read this, the stage direction of this, the characters, uh, Haley. As Haley's keeps talking off stage, Tilden appears from stage left, dripping with mud from the knees down. His arms and hands are covered with mud. In his hands, he carries a corpse of a small child at chest level, staring down at it. The corpse mainly consists of bones wrapped in muddy, oh. rotten cloth. He moves slowly <laughs> downstage toward the staircase, ignoring Vince on the sofa. Vince keeps staring at the ceiling as though Tilden wasn't there. As Haley's voice continues, Tilden slowly makes his way up the stairs. His eyes never leave the corpse of the child. The lights keep fading. And then there's Haley's monologue that kind of continues on from there. But, oh, oh. And if you don't know the play, it's it's this family drama. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You know, this sort of 
dysfunctional family and there's like this whole mystery of a of a child or you know a baby that they had or like a horrible secret the family has and no one wants to talk about you know mm-hmm. and so yeah that moment is just like gripping because i'm like oh it's like a, it's an ending of a horror movie or something yeah so yeah. upsetting yeah i've so, never seen a production of it i've only read it on the oh page. really yeah. yeah i mean there's so many great images like there's one where um i think it's an act two they're like they're just like just like tearing up corn <laughs> you know oh yeah they're like, like eating them like just like um what do you call it? Yeah, with the corn and the like, potatoes are peeling. I don't know. There's just there's just all these really great moments of like the actors getting like really physical, like with the, with their hands and doing something. And mm-hmm. yeah, so that's just like one of my favorite endings of all time. And that is a really strong image. I think mm-hmm. we talked about images with beginnings. Yeah, it's also true for endings. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then the title of the play is Buried Child. Right. You know. And it's such a throughout the play, it's just this big metaphor too. You know, like what is what does it mean? Like what is it the secret that this family is holding? You know, kind of. And then to see the actual physical secret like just come at you with yeah, it's like oh, I I just like shudder. I got a goosebumps all over my body, head to toe when I saw that and reading yeah. it. Yeah, where did you see it? It was in Santa Barbara. I was in college. And I think it was just like their small theater company. I think I want to say, oh, I can't remember. You can talk while I look for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. okay. Well, I don't know. I was thinking about this week as as I was. Oh, oh I found it. Oh, ensemble, <laughs> ensemble theater company. It was ETC. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's, they do contemporary plays. And yeah, they, I saw a production of it when I was in college really great i was thinking all week since i knew we were going to be talking about endings about well i was really just wondering what counts as the ending of a play like is it the last moment is it the last 10 minutes is it the last half hour you know because we Mm. talked about that with beginnings too and then i was thinking about how when you write a play um you might have a last line or a last image but it's really up to the director what the ending is going to be i think more so maybe than the beginning um often the director i think the director's fingerprint is more visible in the ending of a play than the beginning of a play oh interesting i never thought of it yeah i never thought of it that way that's that's true yeah but i think a lot of times directors look for something more to do after the text ends Mm -hmm. um to kind of close their particular production Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I'm curious if any directors are listening to this, if that's true. If you think about like how to design the ending of a play, perhaps more than the beginning. I don't know. I was yeah. thinking about um, Lucas Nath's play, The Christians, which it has such a memorable ending to me because it's so, it was so surprising when I saw it. Like I don't often remember endings. I I think for the most part, endings don't necessarily stick with me as the most memorable part of a play, but um, the Christians, and I'm really not spoiling too much by saying this, but um, 
it most of the play is two people two person conversations and um it's really about this question of um can you choose what to believe or um you know how does faith work and the final scene is this pastor and he's talking to his wife if i remember correctly i saw this at the humana festival years ago i can't remember what year um but they're having a conversation and i think i think the wife asks a question like how do you know or what does this mean and then the protagonist says something like i don't know it'll all make sense later and then the lights go out and that's the end of the play and it was so surprising to me that you could end a play like that that it was it was so kind of quiet and thoughtful and inside of that line of dialogue um there's this suggestion that there's going to be more to the story, but that that's the ending of what we as the audience have been allowed to see. I mean, the, the last word is later. So there's more that's going to happen to these characters. They are going to continue to have a life that we're not witness to. Um, but that's as far as the play takes us. And, and that was just so, it was so profound to me. I hadn't seen an ending like that before. And I think it's really bold, too. And then I was also thinking about Chekhov, who I love, and the Cherry Orchard, which I read with my students in the fall, um, and how he has all these people leave the house, and then Fierce, the old man, is just left there alone. And then we... I think, don't we hear the sound of an axe chopping down a tree at the end? So, yeah, I was thinking about those endings. That ending of that play kind of inspired my, one of my plays I wrote um, for New Play. It was like The Life of the Which Experiment. One? Oh, yeah. Oh, my Remember gosh. It, it, so the play or wrote, otherwise known as The Cancer Games. Or The Cancer Games. Thank you. <laughs> oh, I really love that title. Um, but it was... Uh, there's these characters, it's like distant future, everyone's got cancer, and they're all dying one one by one, they're all just like dying. And there's this one of the characters, he doesn't even know what cancer he has. Does he even have a cancer? Like that's like the thing. And right. he sort of put himself in this room and everyone has passed away. And he has this like model, like, where is everyone? Like, where's everybody? Like, I guess I'm all alone here. Like, and then you don't know what happens to him, but then there's a new, the ending of that play was new characters that, that this is sort of oh, this like yeah, ever, right. there were new characters, new, it was like a same room, but whole new patients coming in. So it was this kind of this cyclical thing of. Cause they're being uh, experimented on, right? Like these yeah. new treatments are being tested, new treatments on tested on them and Basically, for me as a writer, like that play for me was like saying, here's a problem. There's no effing solution mm-hmm. <laughs> other than like there's no cure for cancer right now. Like, or there's a lot of experiments and tests and new drugs, new treatments constantly coming out. But it's cancer is like this thousand year old disease that have never, you know, has constantly plagued 
people <laughs> for years, you know. Yeah. The humankind. So yeah. So that was sort of like my the play then. Um I kind of, so based on our conversation, you know, this that entering that new stasis, but it's like this new stasis in the same stasis. <laughs> I don't really know. Yeah. Yeah. And and you get the sense that this story just is never ending. It just repeats over and over. Perpetual hell. I forgot that that was inspired by Chekhov. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Chekhov is we were yeah, he's a he's a good writer too. Everyone's a good writer. <laughs> <laughs> I say it like so like depressed. Um yeah. Yeah. Do you have a favorite ending of one of your plays? Mm. Well, <laughs> My play Daisy Violet ends with um, a ritual where people from the audience come up to the stage and sit across from one of the actors. And um, in the script, as I originally wrote it, they eat a bite of hamburger. But then in the production we did at UC Davis, they eat potato chips. And And then the actor and the audience member take turns putting shampoo on each other's head. Mm-hmm. So, I think that's my favorite, just because um, it's it's such a gift when audience members participate in the strange um, ritual that you ask them to do. You know, it's like mm-hmm. there's always this fear of like, what if nobody comes up on stage? Yeah. Um, but then to see people actually do it is so incredible. I wondered that play, like if you were to do it somewhere else, like like not on a college campus, or yeah, it was a some like a smaller town. Yeah, I don't know. I also have you seen the documentary, um, the artist? I don't think so. It also when I. When you reminded me, and I remember seeing your play, it made me think of the documentary artist where um, I think her, her name is Marina Abramovich or something. She her she had this like she's this performance artist, and she mm-hmm. did this thing where she was it was in New York, and she was this big exhibit that's just sort of putting all her best work from the last like forty years of her life, and she was just like her her exhibit was she would just sit there, and then um, audience or one by one would just kind of come and sit in in front of her and they just like look at each other eye to eye. Oh whoa. Just like looking at each other straight in the eye into each other's soul or something. And yeah. I just remember the documentary, like each person was like it made they all affected them differently. Like one would like start crying. Which was like just just wow. the other person was just like really awkward. Like they don't know what to do with themselves. They're like getting all antsy or had like a different effect. Do you have any other endings that you particularly like? Either your own play or other plays. Well, last when we talked about beginnings, I read Sir Rules a Clean House. And I was like, Oh yeah, we should read ending of that play. Oh yeah, do you have it? Yeah. Oh, let's hear it. Find it. Um I don't want to read it's like a whole big thing. (laughs) But I think I just want to So remember that play in the beginning. The character uh, Matilda told a long joke in Portuguese. Yeah, yeah. So in this one, the last moment 
it's her and she looks out to the audience and she said this is how i imagined my parents anna and charles transform into matilda's mother and father under charles parka he is dressed as matilda's father under anna's bathrobe she is dressed as matilda's mother my mother is about to give birth to me the hospital's too far away the mother runs up a hill in december and says now the mother is lying down under a tree the father's telling her a joke to try and keep her calm my mother laughed. She laughed so hard I popped out. My mother said I was the only baby who laughed when I came into the world. She said I was laughing at my father's joke. I laughed to take in the air. I took in some air and then I cried. Matilda looks at her parents, a moment of completion between them. Matilda looks at the audience. I think maybe heaven is a sea of untranslatable jokes. Only everyone is laughing. The end. Whoa. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, so you could imagine how the play starts and ends. It, it's like yeah. it's kind of a bookend of like, why, what is this joke she's telling in Portuguese? And not to say this might be the same joke, but like it's explaining why maybe she's saying, she starts mm-hmm. with the joke or like where that character's like her her story originated from. Mm-hmm. It connects mm-hmm. with the mm-hmm. with the first moment. Yeah. I can't believe I've never read that. Yeah, I really like that one. Um, but yeah, so listeners, we gave you the beginning of that play, the ending. Now go read it and read the beginning, the whole middle. Yeah. <laughs> how we got there. <laughs> Maybe we should do an episode on middles. Middles. <laughs> I was also thinking about the wolves. I forget. Have you seen that or read that by Sarah Delal? Uh, yeah. Oh, there was a production here, but I, I wanted to see it, but I read it. Yeah. I think it sent it to me. It was a really good, yeah, it's a good play. I love how, so the ending of that, again, I'm not, I don't think I'm spoiling anything, but so much of the play is these girls kind of as separate. um, I don't know. They're like, well, actually, I was going to talk about a different thing, but now I'm going to talk about something else as I'm remembering seeing it. I saw it at the Goodman. Mm -hmm. So, So for the entire play, you see them in their uniforms. Their soccer uniforms in this production I saw at the Goodman. And then in the final scene, uh, and you get to know them as individuals based on um, what they say and what they talk about and how they talk to each other. And they're all dressed exactly the same. And then in the final scene, they come on in their in their own clothes and you see them individualized through their costumes. And it's such an exciting moment at least it was for me because you see these personalities that you've learned over the course of the play reflected in the kinds of clothing that they're wearing Mm. in the way that when you're a high school girl um you put so much of your identity into your clothes but then the part I was going to talk about before was that um I if I remember correctly there's no mention of the name of the team until the final moment when they put their hands into the middle and they do this cheer, their team mm-hmm. cheer, which is we are the wolves and it gets louder and louder and louder and faster. Um, so there's this way in which they come together as this team unit and tell you the name of the team and the title of the play in the final moment. And I found that very satisfying. And it's like the whole, every scene of the play is them getting ready for a game. Um, but it's not until that final scene that you actually see them do that cheer, mm-hmm. which presumably they do before every game. Yeah. 
Oh, I wish I'd seen it. I'm sure you'll get a chance. It's- no, it's too late. They only did it <laughs> once in a lifetime, and I lost it. Yeah, I lost a chance. <laughs> well, well, shall we do glistens? Yes. Um, do you want to start, or should I start? I'll, I'll start. You start. Okay. Um, this month is sort of crazy. Uh, um, so like I have three things going on almost back to back at the end of this month. I have a reading of one of my pilots that I wrote. You guys, readings are so important. Um, just because you keep submitting and you're like, I'm never going to get a play heard out loud. Like just do it yourself. Is it a public (laughs) reading? It is a public reading. It's free. It's at the Themley Arts uh, Western Avenue. So if you're in LA, come check it out. Um, it's part of Jolly Pig Project. It's this group that um, this writer, Kate Bailey, started. A couple what a good ago. name. Jolly Pig? Jolly Pig Project. <laughs> I love that. I love it. Yeah. And so she organizes and like puts these readings and um, gatherings and workshops and writers group together like she does it she just like leads it and it's so she's like the best um so i have a pilot called girl gym and that and then i'm in this like diversity showcase for the my, the theater that i write comedy for mm-hmm. so one of my sketches is like up and part of the showcase and then i have my cool. own sketch show with my sketch team so i'm like this month is going to be crazy. And at the same time, I'm planning a wedding. How many times have I to tell you all? <laughs> like, it is not friggin' easy. Okay. But yeah, that's my May. And that's just been something that... It's so funny, right? When you're a writer... Like, I feel like no one tells you this, but sometimes you, you're kind of... You have to be a producer, too. Like, you have yeah. to be the one in charge of making things happen. And, like... Or making sure the actors are cast and you know, you find those actors, you're like coordinating all these things. And so yeah. like so if you're a writer, I think you could just write and you don't have to do anything and people do it for you, you're mistaken. Because <laughs> yeah. It's like there's a lot of responsibility that just sort of serves at you. But then then when the time comes when you don't have to do all these things, you like really appreciate it. You're like, right. Yeah. And it, then it feels so amazing. It feels yeah. amazing. But until then, work your butt off, folks. That was such a nice thing about grad school was all those things were built in. Like mm-hmm. there were all these actors available who were really smart and talented <laughs> and wanted to be in your work, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And stage managers cool. and yeah. actors, designers, just like space, one- rehearsal space. space. Holy cow, right? Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. The things you take for granted. Well, my lesson is um, I was talking to you about this before I started recording, but I, um, so I'm, I've been teaching at Interlochen Arts Academy, which has this amazing library, and they have a whole bunch of plays. And I started looking at um, best American short plays anthologies from different years and I found this play by Aaron Sorkin called Hidden in This Picture from it's like 1989 or 1990 and it was so funny and it 
and it was so cool to see um, this writer who now I think many of us are really familiar with his voice now and his his style and to see this early early version of that style in his dialogue that you know already was so distinct and um and so funny in this short play that I had never heard of before mm. um, and so my lesson is I don't know it's like these best american play short plays of whatever year are such a a treasure because you can go back and you can find all these writers who went on to become like really, really well-known and successful. And then also sometimes you find plays by people that you've never heard of and like those are really good too, you <laughs> yeah. know? So yeah, that's my lesson. Such a great lesson. <laughs> Thanks, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> but this didn't make you depressed like how – you read these early works of people who you've never heard of? Um, sometimes it's depressing. Mm-hmm. But then I'm also like, I can never really tell if I haven't heard of them just because um, I don't know anything or I haven't heard of them because nobody else has heard of them either. You know what I mean? Right, right. It's like lots of, lots of the people that yeah. I don't necessarily know about still – I think have been quite, you know, you know, prolifically produced, Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. maybe it was like 30 years ago. Yeah. And I just don't, I personally don't know about them. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't find it depressing. I think I find it actually really um, exciting to see that there are just so many playwrights and so many plays Mm -hmm. and there, and I'll never run out of things to read. True. True. And, you know, for us, when we're long gone, at least we have this podcast. <laughs> living out here in the, the world wide web, people and someone so quickly Googling, hmm, playwriting podcast. <laughs> and then yeah. making things will come up, I'm sure. So if you found us by Googling us, um, thanks for listening. Yes. Listeners. And we're really glad you're here. Yeah. And if you haven't, I feel like I have to, I feel like I have a broken record, but it's so important. But if you haven't, make sure to share, reach out to us or share the episode that you like. Um, tell us what you think about endings. Yeah. Tell us what you think about endings. I love, I love when we get to hear from our listeners. Like yeah. I love it. It just, it makes me feel like, like, there's more than just us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or like, yeah. Okay. All right. Thanks for listening. Bye, guys. Bye.